called fresh. I'm asking the Holy Spirit for fresh work among us as a church. In our hearts, in our lives, and in our homes. I desire that and I think we need that. Fresh is defined as this. It's new to one's experience. It means newly acquired. It is having something that wasn't there before. It's fresh. It's new. A study of the Holy Spirit teaches us that it is a spirit of newness, always new and renewing. So we're on solid biblical ground to ask the Holy Spirit today on Pentecost Sunday for a fresh work to start within us and through us. A fresh work among us as a church family. On this Pentecost Sunday, it's a way to remember that 50 days after Passover, the Holy Spirit, not an it, but a person, the person of the Holy Spirit, filled the New Testament church, filled the 120 that were in the upper room. And when they left that upper room, they did so empowered to take the story of their own redemption and the gospel message to the known world. And it is their momentum, it is their commitment, that is the reason we have the gospel today. It is great to read the book of Acts page for page, chapter by chapter, and you even see as you start, it is called the actions of the apostles. God is concerned about what we do. But in this series called Fresh, which is a study of the fruit of the Spirit, it sets us up to be who we need to be so that there is adequate support for what it is we're called to do. What I do must be supported by who I am. The force of our actions will be tied back to the force of who we are as a church family, as Christ followers. So you'll see in the passage we're about to read that the Holy Spirit is very concerned about who we are. I would even say that 99% of the will of God is about who we are and 1% about what we do. The reason I say that is because I'm often asked, how do you know the will of God? And, and it is a question that is reframed to say, what am I supposed to do with my life? If we will focus on who we are to be, then what it is we are to do will come naturally. In this culture, we're, we're action-oriented. We have a bias toward action, and I'm all for that. Laziness is a sin. We need to be... Uh, redeeming the time, and we need to be willing to take steps of faith and to take action. But those actions must be supported by character that reflects the very life of Jesus. So we come to this important text today found in Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 22. And here's what it says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. He produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Think about those qualities. Qualities of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How are we doing? Ask a few questions, just take the first one, love. 
How tender is your heart towards God and towards other people? Let's assess for a moment. We know how this works. We take driving tests and vision tests and cholesterol tests. Let's test ourselves on these for a moment. Let's talk about joy. What is your current irritability factor? If you don't know, I don't, maybe the person sitting next to you would help you with that. How about peace? Look at that one. To what degree are you troubled or anxious or stressed out? I was going over this list and I saw the next one was patience and I just skipped it. You know you're bad when you, you just, you're going so fast you skip that one. You see, spiritual maturity, spiritual formation is first and foremost defined not by busyness for God, but by who we are becoming as people. Who we are. Thank God for activity. Thank God for accomplishment. But remember, the people that Jesus struggled with the most were the most active, the most busy of the Bible. They were called the Pharisees. And the reason he struggled with them was because they weren't authentic. They weren't focused, first of all, on who they were. So there was really no support for all that they were doing. So the bullseye of the target for a fresh work of God doesn't start with my action, but my character. With who I am at the core of my soul. Realizing that God wants to start there. So let me tell you what we're not going to do in this series. It's not going to be trying harder. We're not going to try harder to be more loving. Have you ever tried harder to be happy? It doesn't work. I'm going to be happy if it kills me. There must be a strategy here because it's not trying harder. We're going to do something else. We're going to go after one single word. It's a word that Jesus taught. It's a word that Jesus used. And it is found in John 15, verse 4. And I want you to listen for the word. Remain in me, the Bible says, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot bear fruit or produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Key word is remain. I want to borrow a word that is used in other translations in John 15, verse 4. It's the word abide. Say that word with me. Abide. There is the strategy for the fruit of the Spirit to really cultivate within us. It's not trying harder. It is abiding and figuring out what that means. As you and I talk about what it means to abide... First of all, be motivated by how much Jesus wants to abide with us. From the book of Genesis, his actions with Adam and Eve, the tent of meeting, the temple of the Old Testament, all of these actions from a burning bush to God's work in a fiery furnace, God being present. But it wasn't until Acts 2 that he indwelt his people so that 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, we can be aware of and, and abide in the presence of Jesus. Aren't you thankful 
that when Jesus rose again and 50 days later as he ascended, he didn't leave us helpless, but he gave us the helper not just to come alongside of us, but to indwell us so that he would be as close as the mention of his name, the Old Testament name of God, which is Jehovah Shammah. It doesn't mean God shows up. It means he's there. He's always there. That became a realization in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit indwelt his people. I was on a plane recently, and I opened up my computer, and on my my screen was a picture of my family. It's like the screensaver. And this guy sitting beside me, he, he realized I, I was just looking at my family. He said, hey, you have a good-looking family. And I said, thank you. And I began to tell him about my family. I talked about Connor and Lindsay and Ryan and Kelly. And as I was talking about them, he said, uh, you must really miss them. I said, yes, I, I do. And as I talked about them, and I guess the The way I talked about them, he said, you must have been away from them for a long time. He said, how long has it been? I said, like two hours. (laughs) It's like really just the time that they dropped me off and I've been waiting on this plane to leave. And you understand that as, as a family member. You never get tired of looking at those pictures. You you never get tired of that relationship. You want to be with them. It doesn't compare with how God desires to be with us and to abide with us. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I believe that the angels get tired of God saying, look at the pictures of my kids. He never gets tired. So a, a motivation for us to abide is to know how much he wants to abide with us. Now, Something very intriguing happens in John 14 and 15, where John is talking so much about the Holy Spirit, where the whole context is that of abiding. Listen to these key verses, starting John 15, 9. I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Verse 27 of chapter 14. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. He says, remain, remain in what? My love, my joy, my peace. In the context of abiding, it's interesting that he references specifically the first three qualities found in the fruit of the Spirit, which are love, joy, and peace. He sets up for us the very clear strategy that if these are really going to happen, if in nine weeks after we finish this series, we are more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more self-controlled, more faithful, more gentle, more uh, in all of these character qualities like goodness, then the only reason is if we also do what we're taught in John 15, also in John 14, learn what it means to abide. I don't try harder, I abide in the presence of God. I'm inviting you, starting today, on a summer experiment of abiding in Jesus. Not a to-do list, but abiding. 
just doing your day with Jesus. Like when you wake up in the morning. When every other thought that would seek to bid for your attention, you would just carve out some time to consider Him. I know there are two kinds of people when it comes to morning. There are those who love to get up in the morning. And there are those who hate those who love to get up in the morning. But we have to get up. And when we do, we should be careful to abide. Consider that. And then when you get ready and you go get in your car and, and you leave for work, you know Jesus is in your car. A good question is, is he worried as you drive? I was behind this guy the other day, and he had a bumper sticker that says, I'm not speeding, I'm qualifying. How many qualifiers do we have? Yeah, me too. Both hands. Jesus wants to do the day. Make this practical. He, he's there. Protect your culture. One guy told me he, he listens to talk radio. And, and again, this is not, I'm all for talk radio. I had a guy come up to me after the first gathering and said, Man, you, you, you hammered talk radio. I'm on talk radio. I'm not hammering talk radio. I, that's not the point at all. Let me just set that. Everybody go, he's not against talk radio. Okay, this guy's going down the road. He's listening to talk radio. And he's, you know, some of that gets intense. I mean, the Democrats, the, the liberals, and the conservatives, they are constantly, it's, it's intense. And this guy listens to talk radio. And he said, I found myself frustrated and angry all the time. And he said, I just committed to fast the news. What's he doing? He's protecting his culture and realizing if I get caught up in that to the point that it is, it is really creating that kind of emotion in me, then I'm not abiding. I, I'm, I'm about to get over into the works of the flesh. So this is about protecting your culture, being aware that Jesus is there, but let's be aware and protect the culture and have some consideration of really what that means in the practical routine of life when we go to work and we consider our actions and even our reactions. Here's a verse about abiding. Lord, let the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. Every word, Lord, that's being aware of the presence of God. I'm watching these, these two people who, who had ordered tea, hot tea. I, I don't drink hot tea, but I watched them, and they got their cup. They poured hot water, and then they had a tea bag. And one person was like just kind of dipping the bag and worked the spoon a little bit on the bag. The other person just dropped the bag right into the cup of hot water. And, and, I, and I watched that, and, and it came to me. There's a great way to apply this. We can be dippers or just abiders. Because there's no doubt that tea bag that's just abiding is having a greater transformational impact on that water than the tea bag that's just dipping in and out. 
if I dip into church on Sunday and I have God thoughts and God awareness and then I dip back out and I'm not really aware of God or the things of God until the next Sunday, I'm not going to have the transformative power of God growing the fruit of the Spirit in my life. If I dip into the Bible on occasion, read a few verses, and then I leave the Lord at my prayer time or at church or at my Bible time and then I get on the road and drive like it's me and the devil then do you see how I'm, I'm disconnecting I, I'm, I'm, I'm losing that awareness and that, that sense of abiding let me illustrate by something Max Lucado wrote and, and I'll post this on my Facebook if you want to get a hold of it and incorporate it in your own uh, journey with this series here's what he wrote it's quiet, it's early my coffee is hot the sky is still black the world is still asleep, but the day is coming. In a few moments, the day will arrive. It will roar down the track with the rising of the sun. The stillness of the dawn will be exchanged for the noise of the day. The calm of the solitude will be replaced by the pounding pace of the human race. The refuge of the early morning will be invaded by decisions to be made and deadlines to be met. How many of you... Know what that's like. You wake up to the day's demands. He says, for the next 12 hours, I will be exposed to the day's demands. So it is now that I must make a choice. Because of Calvary, I'm free to choose. And so I choose. I choose love. Today, I will love God and what God loves. I choose joy. I will invite my God to be the God of circumstance. Notice how he's bringing God into every aspect of the day. I will choose peace. I love this. He says, I will live forgiven and I will forgive so that I may live. He talks about the the measure of peace in his heart by being affirmed that God has forgiven him. And then his, his vitality, his, his freshness to life is his willingness to forgive. By this time next week, we will all have things to forgive. I choose patience, he writes. I will overlook the inconveniences of the world. How many of you could take that as a challenge? I choose kindness and goodness because it's how God has treated me. I choose faithfulness. Today I will keep my promises. I choose gentleness. If I clench my fists, may it be only in prayer. I choose self-control. I will be impassioned only by my faith. I will be influenced only by God. I will be taught only by Christ. So he writes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To these I commit my day. If I succeed, I will give thanks. If I fail, I will seek his grace. And when the day is done, I will place my head on my pillow and rest. That's bringing Jesus into your day. And then along the way, if if you're not as centered as you should be, if you react in a way that is not in keeping with these qualities, then you don't throw in the towel. You just ask God for grace. 
Because this is a process. We're not going to celebrate perfection. We're going to celebrate progress. See, you can be more loving than you are today and more joyful. And I can be more patient than I am today, at least I think. And there is a God. And I, I, we can experience these things. But we won't bat a thousand. And so as we journey together, asking God for a fresh work, when we mess it up, we'll ask for grace. Jesus talked about love, joy, and peace in John 14 and 15. It's interesting to think that how in nine weeks, if we are able to say, there's more love in my heart and through my life, there's greater joy than I've ever experienced. I'm experiencing peace more than ever before there is no doubt that you'll be able to say, I'm at a fresh place as a Christian. I'm at a fresh place. If the fruit of the Spirit are more profound in your life than they are today in the weeks to come, there will be a vitality, a freshness of His activity in your life. A fresh place. A fresh place. We mess it up. We ask for grace. Confession is good for the soul. As I was coming 71st, going to turn right onto Elm Street a few weeks back, starting to think about this series and wanting to start preparing. I get on Elm and there's a lot of construction going on. And, And I was so frustrated by how long it was taking to go less than a mile. I'm like, what? I mean, I, I just had all that kind of emotion. You, you remember in John 15, it says, my joy may be in you where it, your joy will overflow. Well, that day, I was getting overflow right. You know, biblically, I was overflowing, but it just wasn't overflowing with joy. And what became part of that situation, it, it, it's like I'm talking to you. It just seemed the Lord said in my heart, You need to think about this. You have all this emotion. You have all this frustration. And and your thought is this. Would these people please hurry up? Don't they know I need to get to the office and prepare this sermon on the fruit of the Spirit? (laughs) I got to get, so I can tell people about being more joyful and more patient. Hurry up so I can get there. So I can tell people about goodness and gentleness and self-control. So, when you mess it up, just ask God for grace. Ask God for grace. Ask, as you go along, I talked about that assessment. And, you know, ask the person sitting next to you about your irritability factor. You know what? Hear this. This is an important point. What's it like being on the other side of me. Ask that question of your life. What's it like for the people who are on the other side of me? Now, see how this ties in to the Holy Spirit indwelling and filling his church in Acts 2. If we don't start here with the qualities of who we are, then I think our actions will lack the character to support them. And people 
want to see authenticity. They don't care if we can do church better than someone else. They could care less about that. They are looking for authenticity, not perfection, just authenticity. And when we start here with these qualities of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, when we start with these qualities, what happens as we abide in the vine, there is such God-life in our heart, in the core of who we are, and there's such spiritual formation within us that the result is we bear fruit. And those are the qualities of our influence. And then, remember, Acts 2, the outpouring was so that we could be empowered to witness. When we start with who we are, then when we just do life, and we're bearing these kind of qualities... People will then taste, the Bible says, they will taste and see that the Lord is good. So we start here. And we ask the Lord for a fresh work. If your relationship with Jesus is stale or dated, let's ask him for a fresh work today. A fresh work in our hearts, a fresh work in our home, a fresh work in our church. And that in the weeks to come, this very atmosphere would mark, be marked with a difference. What would be the difference? The atmosphere would take on the influence of greater love and joy and peace. You have a person who is lost come into this, this context and their, their life is chaotic. They've lost control in certain areas of life. And you let them come into an atmosphere where it seems that people are experiencing the kind of power and, and transformation that they're finding love that allows you to settle in your own skin. Joy that is authentic and peace that's real and not connected to what's going on around me, but my emotions, they, they are sober. There's a meekness, there's a self-control because the Spirit is at work in my life. And when people sense that, they're going to want Jesus Christ as the answer to their dilemma, to their desperation. It'll be as it was at creation. The Holy Spirit will just be hovering over this place. And the first work of the Holy Spirit was he began to bring form and order out of disorder. We will sense the activity of God in these gatherings because there's activity of God within us. And if we mess it up, we just ask for grace. I have a great friend who lives in Florida, and a couple years back when we were visiting with him and his family, he said, look, Ron, I want to teach you to surf. I know you love the water, but you've never surfed. Let me teach you to surf. And you talk about frustrating, trying to, to do that. And, and I'd try again and again, get up and just wipe out. And finally, one time, about the 10th time, it wasn't going very well. He said, here's the good news. He said, there's always another wave coming. 
So let's go back out and do it again. And I want you to think about that. If you messed it up, if you're, you, you need that fresh work, that fresh touch, if you, if you need some renewal, if you need a fresh start, and I want to tell you there's another wave of grace coming. Just catch that next wave of grace, that lift in your soul. This very day, God's mercies were what they were new. That's just, that's the very nature of God. New, always new, and forever new. So he's renewing us. It's, it's the process work of the Holy Spirit within us. And it's amazing. And if things could be greater in your life, then say, Lord, I want a fresh work. I want a fresh work. And that grace will sweep over you like a wave. And take it to the next level. Would you pray with me right now? Thank you, Lord, for our time today. Now, may the ministry of this word be like seed planted in our heart. and Let's do something as a conclusion, Lord, to this day. Our gathering here that would start this journey. Of your fresh presence and your fresh power. The friendship, the fellowship to be so fresh. When we read the Bible, it would be so fresh. When we seek your face, it would be fresh. When we're doing the routine of our day and we're aware of you, there would just be a a fresh activity of God happening in our heart. To every one of you with your eyes closed in the presence of God, I, I sense deep in my heart that this is a word to you and a word to us. God is poised to do something fresh. Will you open your heart to that and express your need? Will you make this summer an experiment of abiding? Not trying harder. Abiding. Just remaining, abiding. That awareness where the life of Jesus is flowing into you. And the fruit is growing. And you are becoming. And then anything you do will be supported by the quality of and the force of who you are. This will make such a difference in your heart, in your home, where you work, every relationship. It will make such a huge difference. Do not feel any guilt today. Why? Because waves of grace are coming over our soul. And saying to us, try again. It's a fresh start. It's a fresh start. It's a new day, new mercies, fresh power. As you sit in his presence, we're going to sing about his grace. We're going to sing about his love. We're going to be amazed by it. And we're going to worship. We're going to consider the width and the depth of God's grace and as we do it will be the very activity of God saying to you this is not just a sermon you have heard this is the very word of the Lord to you fresh fresh new renewed refreshed by the Holy Spirit of God 
things are going to change and it's going to be awesome. 